It all started when Dad sent me his old video camera. It was the summer holidays and he thought it would give me something to do, with Mum working and all. I was so excited. I'd always wanted to be a cameraman. Mum wasn't so happy, which is kind of strange, since she's a TV reporter herself. She thought she wasn't safe in her own home anymore. Once, she confiscated my camera for a whole week just because I'd showed her boyfriend some sneaky footage I'd shot of her dancing the hula at her 40th birthday party. When she finally gave the camera back to me, she said, Now, don't forget, if you're going to use this thing, use it outside the flat. So I did. While I waited to be discovered as a famous TV cameraman, I practiced on the residents of our building. I called my news bulletin Nightly News. That's night with a K after me, Scott Knight. At first, I used to lurk with my camera behind pot plants and hide in broom cupboards. But when people started saying, Hi, Scott, as they passed, I decided I might as well be upfront about it. Some of our neighbours were more cooperative than others. Lisa Chung, who lives on the fourth floor and goes to my school, couldn't get enough of being on camera. But Mr Stefanos on the sixth would scurry into his flat whenever he saw me. The trouble was that nothing very exciting ever happened in our building, unless you count the day Mrs Carruthers' underwear blew off her balcony and got caught on the cell phone antenna on the building next door. That story, which I filmed from our window, was the lead story in the first bulletin of Nightly News. Mum and Max, our cat, were there for my first broadcast. I'd plug my camera into the TV with the special lead Dad had given me, and as the pictures rolled, I read the matching stories I'd written. An interesting new flag appeared on the roof of a high-rise on Willis Street today. Police suspect it was left by an alien spacecraft. Experts say this is the first indication that aliens have a liking for pink and white polka dots and that elastic exists in other galaxies. Mum was in fits. The next story made Max put his ears back. It was about his arch enemy. Today, outside Willis Flats, a serial killer struck again. The victim was an innocent blackbird. The bird was going about its lawful business, pulling fat worms from the ground, when the killer struck a black cat called Roger, is helping police with their inquiries. The story ended with a brilliant shot of Roger slinking behind a bush with the bird in his mouth. I had Lisa Chung's little sister to thank for my last story. Finally tonight, a rubbish collector made a grisly discovery in the basement today. The shocked worker found a dismembered body in a rubbish bag. The victim is described as an attractive blonde female believed to be called Barbie. The rubbish collector is having counselling. <laughs> By this time, Mum had tears rolling down her cheeks. I wish we could make up the news like that. It would be a lot easier. Well, you reporters do make most of it up, don't you, Mum? I ducked as she pretended to cuff me round the ear. Don't be cheeky. I'll have you know I'm a very responsible journalist. She sniffed and poked her nose in the ear. Not like some of the kids they employ these days. Most of them wouldn't know fact from fiction. It was a bit of a sore point with Mum. All the young journalists being hired by her employers. The one thing she hated more than being on the night shift was being the oldest reporter in the newsroom. Waiting round to become mega-famous can be pretty boring. My nightly news bulletins were going okay, 
Mum and Max appreciated them, but I really wanted to dazzle the rest of the world with my talent. So I jumped at the chance to help out at the newsroom. Mum couldn't get any more time off, and I wasn't due to go to Dad's until the last week of the holidays. Actually, I reckon Mum could have got some more time off if she'd asked for it, but as I heard her telling someone on the phone, she was afraid some kid with flawless skin and a degree in journalism would snatch her job while she was away. Anyway, going to work with her didn't bother me. As parents' workplaces go, the TV newsroom is a cooler place to hang out than most. It's a bit like a normal office on fast forward. Everyone talks fast and walks fast and drinks gallons of coffee. On the news editor's desk, there are these radio scanners that listen in on the police and emergency services. When something big goes down, man, things get crazier than when a bee gets in the girls' changing room. The network even has its own chopper, and if there's an accident on the motorway or a big fire or something like that, a reporter and a camera operator race off up the stairs to the helipad. Sometimes I'm allowed to go up and watch the chopper take off. One day, it'll be me grabbing my camera and jumping on board. I just know it. In the meantime, I deliver coffee, do the photocopying, and learn as much as I can from Carlos. Carlos has been a cameraman forever. The others joke about how many girlfriends he's lost because he cares about his camera more than them. It was awesome the day Carlos said, "Grab your coat, Scott. I'm taking you out on a real job." I had to clear it with Mum first. I found her in the editing suite. "Don't worry, Melanie," said Carlos. "It's not a shootout or a fire I'm taking him to. Mia's holding a press conference about parking in the city. Unless you're worried about him dying of boredom, you'll be fine." Okay," said Mum. "On one condition." I rolled my eyes. "Bring me back a chicken dinner. No French fries, just coleslaw. Not too much dressing." Carlos and I took the lift to the basement car park. As the doors opened, I could see a reporter I knew called Sarah waiting by Carlos's car. She was talking on her cell phone and laughing. Sarah was new at the station. One of those pretty young journalists that Mum seemed to be allergic to. Hi, Scott," she said, dropping her cell phone into a bag. "As Carlos wrapped you in, <laughs> don't get too excited. This isn't a lead story, unless Mia Carter has a heart attack and dies on camera. That is. We had a lot of trouble finding a parking space near the council buildings, but Carlos ended up talking his way into the staff garage under the building. We took the lift up and emerged in the foyer. Which was crammed with reporters with tape recorders and cameras. I must have looked like a packhorse. Carlos had loaded me up with a sound mixer as well as a boom microphone with a huge fluffy sock thing over the end. We were ushered into a big room with red carpet and a long polished wooden table in the middle. Reporters jostled to get their microphones and cameras as close as possible to the big padded chair at the top where the mayor was going to sit. Carlos kicked out the legs of his tripod, mounted the camera on it, and asked Sarah to hold up a white card. "I need to get a white balance," he explained, pointing the camera at the card. "The camera knows this is white, so I can work out the rest of the colours. This baby's a very sophisticated computer." Sarah winked at me. "Tragic, isn't it? A grown man in love with a camera." Carlos ignored her and turned to me. "Now." Your job is to hold this mic up here. He held the end of the pole 
and positioned the big fluffy microphone in the air above where the mayor would be sitting. Try to keep it high, okay? Otherwise, it'll be in shot. I nodded and grasped the pole. It was heavier than I thought. Just then, Mia Carter walked in. I must have looked panic-stricken because Sarah gave me the thumbs up from down the end of the table. I relaxed, a bit. I'd never done a real TV job before, and as the buzz died down, I began to feel very nervous. I hoped nobody would see the pole jiggling in my hands. Five minutes into the press conference, I'd got the hang of it, but the pole seemed to be getting heavier by the minute. I wondered how long the mayor was going to speak for. After ten minutes, I had to brace the pole against the back of a chair because my arms were starting to hurt. It was very hot in the room, and as Mia Carter droned on, I was struggling to keep my eyelids as well as the microphone up. At one stage, Carlos waved at me, "Keep it higher! It's drifting into shot." I did my best to hold onto the pole, but my arms were aching. It was getting stuffier in the room, and I closed my eyes for just a second. Through a cloudy haze, I heard a dull thud. Somebody nudged me from behind. I opened my eyes. To my horror, I realized I was no longer holding the boom pole. Mia Carter had stopped talking. His eyes seemed to be rotating in different directions, and his gold-rimmed glasses were dangling from one ear. The boom pole was lying across his shoulder. On the way back to the office, Carlos and Sarah couldn't stop laughing. Once Mayor Carter had got over the shock, he'd been quite good about what happened. But to prevent further mishaps, Carlos had pinned a radio mic to the lapel of his jacket for the rest of the press conference. I felt terrible, especially when I got back to the office and everybody crowded into the editing booth to gawk at the tape. I could hardly bear to watch. There was Mayor Carter. Going on about how the city was going to come down heavily on motorists who parked illegally, when something heavy came down on him. What looked like a dead cat hovered drunkenly above his head for a moment or two, then came crashing down on his shiny scalp. As everybody in the editing booth whooped with laughter, I sneaked out and sat in the stairway. <laughs>